Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. I entitled this podcast, How to Get Your Prayers Answered Every Time, or How, how, to, get you, how to Get a Guaranteed Answer to Prayer Every Single Time. Because, you know, it, it's, it's important not just to know that you should be doing something, but that how, to, how you should be doing that something. It's not important. It's, it, it's not, it, you know, just to know, you know, I should take my car in for an oil change, but then not doing it or not knowing how, you know, how to book a, a garage or whatever, that, that doesn't service me anything. It's, it's not just knowing what to do. It's knowing how to do it. You know, I can spend a thousand years trying to train my dog, but I don't know how to train dogs. It would be a frustrating thing. But if I bring it to a trainer who knows the characteristics of dogs, he knows how to, you know, the nature of dogs, he, he's studied it, he knows how, or she knows how, whichever, you know, trainer you take it, they know how to deal with dogs. They know how to, to, to tweak your dog. They know how, and it's not a frustrating thing for them. They actually take pleasure in it because they know what to do and they have patience because they know after they apply these principles, it'll get done. Well, the same thing goes for prayer. Just knowing that you should be praying is not enough because you, there are right ways to do things and then there's wrong ways to do things. There are ways that you can do things easily, sweatlessly, you know, it's like you, you, you try and get two people, one has an accounting degree, the other one didn't even pass grade six math, and you try and give them two different spreadsheets of a company's accounting, you know, uh, program or whatever, whatever expenses and income and, and all the things they need to deal out with. It, one of them will do it within an hour, won't have any struggle. The other one will be scratching his head, trying to open up different YouTube videos, trying to learn how to do it quickly on the fly. And at the end, the other one will have a flawless spreadsheet, and then one of them will have a messy spreadsheet where they'll have tons of errors and that company will actually suffer maybe an audit the next year because they they didn't take the time to hire an accountant who actually knows what he's doing so that's the same in, in the things of the spirit you know the bible tells us that when you have no understanding of a thing your life will look no different from someone who who doesn't even know jesus christ it's like if you don't know how to pray your life will actually have no miraculous breakthroughs the same as someone who doesn't even pray at all if you don't know how to pray your life will differ not at all from someone who doesn't even pray at all not because god you know god is some harsh master and and no but because there are certain guidelines that we need to follow in the word of god that guarantee what the word of god promises it's not just you know shooting up and then hoping it, it sticks you don't just throw things at a wall and hope it sticks that's that's a very poor way to approach the bible and to approach god you know god is a the god of all the earth he's the king of kings and the lord of lords he's the one who created the heavens and the earth he formed the universe and everything in the universe if you look at the planet there are laws that govern this planet there are laws natural laws like gravity the gravity governs if i if I jump, I'm coming back down because the law of gravity dictates that I come back down. The supernatural has laws as well. The natural has, has laws and the supernatural has certain laws that if we don't abide by, if we don't 
dictate our life by those and govern our lives by those specific supernatural laws that have been very clearly that's another thing you make this book some mystical book you'll have very mystical results what do i mean by mystical results you'll be a confused individual trying to explain life trying to explain things that happened in life and things that didn't happen in life but if you'll take this book as a practical approach how to get god's attention and then look at the various testimonies in Scripture. You look at David, look at Solomon, look at, uh, at Elijah, and find out what they did that guaranteed God's inter intervention in their affairs. Then you apply those same principles, and you'll find out. I mean, let's turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, just to show you. Because that's a, that's a very big problem that some people have in the church, is they look at the, the stories of scriptures, of Scripture, and then they... They relegate it to being like, well, yeah, well, that was Elijah. You know, he was a prophet. He, you know, oh, that was, that was David. You know, he's King David. He, he had a special bond with God that we can't really access. That he, he was special in the plan of God. That's rubbish. David was special in the plan of God because, yeah, Jesus came from the line of David. But that doesn't mean that, you know, especially David, Elijah, all those guys under the old covenant. How much more under an old covenant were the veil in the temple? was still in place. Now, what happened when Jesus said it was finished? He breathed his last, and then the veil, which separated man from God in the Holy of Holies, at the temple of God in Jerusalem, was ripped and torn down from head to toe, ripped down right down the middle. And the Bible says that as a result, God no longer dwelt in that temple. Now, he dwells in you, and he dwells in me. He doesn't dwell in temples. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews. It was never the will of God for God to dwell in temples made with human hands. But His will was always to dwell in us. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 6. In that day, I will be their God and they will be my people. I will walk amongst them and I will live in them. John 14, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, He lives, he lives with you. And now in the new covenant, He will be in you. It's the Holy Ghost upon, which the Old Testament prophets and men of God, they had the Holy Ghost upon. The Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. The Bible says of Elijah, the Spirit of the Lord was upon Elijah. And then of David, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward in 1 Samuel 16, 13, when he got anointed with the oil. But in the New Covenant, it's not just the Spirit upon, it's the Spirit within, that we are carriers of God's presence. That God is as close to you He's as close as close can be. He's closer than your heart is to the core of your being. He's in you. He lives in me. You should write that. God lives in me. God lives. God, my, my body, my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, don't you know that God dwelleth in you and that you were bought at a price? Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. God lives in me. That means the Holy Spirit's residential address on the earth is right here. Wherever I am, the Holy Spirit is there too. Wherever I go, the Holy Spirit goes too. Because I am the, the Bible says, he that has been joined to Jesus Christ has become one spirit with him. We have, we have fused together. That's what Jesus prayed in John 17. He said, God, when I go, I pray that you would keep them from the evil one. And then he said this, that as we, as I am one with you, and you are one with me, that they may be one in me, and as such, one in you. That we would all be a happy family, connected. 
fused together. That's what the new, that's what the, what Jesus came to do. So you can't look at the Old Testament prophets and say, well, that was this. No, those were actually types and shadows of what we, every New Testament saint, and you're a saint. Don't let the Catholic Church think, you know, make you think anything otherwise, that there's only a few saints that you have to get, you know, you have to go through some ceremony in order to be inaugurated as a saint in the Church of God. No, we have all come to Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, unto an innumerable company of angels, and the Bible says, to the saints, to the saints, or to the spirits of just men justified as saints. We are all saints of God. We're no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints. Citizens with the saints. I'm a saint. You're a saint. We, what does a saint mean? It means you've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. You've been sanctified. So for the Catholic Church to go off and say, there's only a certain amount of saints. What about everyone else? They're all going to hell? To get into heaven, you have to be a saint. A sanctified one. A, one set apart. Can you say amen? So that, to, to just allow that there's only... And, and then to... Honor these men as just, you know, old-time saints. Oh, well, it was a different day and a different time. You, you live like that? Then what they went through or what they experienced, the miracles and the, and the power of God that was manifested through their lives, will be exactly that. Just an old-time thing to you. So, something not really, you know, evident in your own life and, and just something you can ponder upon and meditate on and just, you know, one day when we get to heaven... Maybe we'll be able to ask Elijah what it was like. I'm not going to get to heaven and ask Elijah what it was like. When I get to heaven, Elijah's going to be asking me, what was it like to actually live with God's Holy Spirit in you? What was it like on the earth to be able to, you know, Elijah didn't have that. And let's, let's look at James 5. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he's committed any sins, it will be forgiven him. Confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. There's, there's a, you know, if you're believing God for healing. I don't know if I should get, but anyways. If you're believing God for healing, that, that's a powerful scripture right there. Because it shows you that in the same, the same work of the cross that atoned for our spiritual condition, actually dealt with our physical condition. Confess your sins to one another that you may be forgiven and then pray for one another that you may be healed. Salvation from sin and salvation from sickness and disease are, are, are interchangeable. Both in the same... It's like you can't separate the two. It's like the Bible says the two shall become one flesh. You can't separate me from my wife. We're one flesh now. It's the same. When Jesus Christ died, that, 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 that miracle power that delivers us from sin is the same miracle power that delivers us from sickness and disease. You can't separate the two. That's why Psalm 103, David, in the Old Testament, the Lord had shown him through the Holy Spirit. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord with all that is within me. Forget not all his what? His benefits. There are benefits in serving Jesus Christ. Number one, he, heal, he forgives all of my iniquities and then number two, he heals all my, sin, my, 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 my diseases. He forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases. Why would David group the two in the same, the same scripture verse, the same prayer? Because the both go hand in hand together. You know, that's why you see a lot of churches that have, that, I mean, look at the Baptist church. Southern Baptists are excellent at seeing people saved because they have, 
They can preach salvation from sin like probably no other denomination can. They're excellent at that. They can really expound on the work of the cross and what Jesus did and and, uh, the the free work of God and not the free work, but the free gift of God in Christ. They can really make it appealing to anybody. But when it comes to people getting healed in their churches, there's not many Southern Baptist churches where you see miraculous healings happening all the time. There might be the, the, the few because they believe... That, you know, that's just God's sovereign move and whom he desires to heal, he heals. Whom he doesn't, he doesn't heal. But then you look at some Pentecostals or uh, forget Pentecostals, other groups. Where, I mean, look at T.L. Osborne. T.L. Osborne had the revelation of, he, of God's work of the cross and the purchased healing that was purchased for us by the same blood which was shed for our sins. And as you, what did you see in his meeting? You saw people getting healed. I mean, there's I probably no other crusade evangelist that saw as many people healed on the crusade field as T.L. Osborne. Why? Not because, you know, one, one, was, uh, one was ordained to be used in healing and the other one ordained to be used in, in, in just getting people saved. No, it has nothing to do with that. It was that one had the revelation from the Word of God that God doesn't just want us saved from sin. God wants us healed in our bodies. In the name of Jesus, that same power that set you free from addiction, that set you free from sin, that set you free from, 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 from backsliding, in the name of Jesus Christ, that power comes in your body right now to set you free once and for all from the torture and torment of sickness and disease in Jesus' name. If you receive that, uh, type out, Amen. Now what I wanted to get to, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And when he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. When he prayed again, the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. When he, I'll read that again. Elijah, verse 17, James 5, 17, was a man with a nature like ours. Elijah was a man with the same nature that we have. The same, that means Elijah wasn't walking around with a halo on his head floating everywhere and just birds and doves and different animals. Maybe he had deer just circling him everywhere he went. He was like a Disney character. That's not what Elijah was. The Bible says he, had, he was a man with the same nature as us. In the Old Testament, that means he still had a sinful nature. We don't even have that sinful nature anymore because it was circumcised off of us when Jesus Christ, when we got saved. So Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. But when he prayed, what is James trying to do? Don't put Elijah and separate him in a class by himself, but recognize that he was a human. He had, he had pimples, he had wrinkles, he had, you know... Bad days, good days. He was a man with a nature like ours. But when he prayed, he knew how to pray. He knew how to contact God's ear. You know, there are people who, who when they pray, their prayers actually never hit, never even pass the ceiling. They hit the ceiling and that's it. They bounce right back down. Why? Because they're praying after their own, their own heart. When you're not supposed to pray after your own heart, you're not supposed to pray... In what you see, you know, I, I've heard that many times, especially growing up in church. You have people, you have people, hi Ruth, Paternoster, God bless you. Thank you, appreciate that. You have people that, that said, you know, it doesn't matter what you pray, God's interested in your heart. It doesn't matter how you pray. 
As long as you just pray from your heart. That's, could you imagine I was driving on the opposite side of a highway, the opposite way of a highway, and I got pulled over by a cop, and he pulled me over and said, are you crazy? Do you know that you're going to get yourself killed and everyone else killed by doing this? And I just said, officer, you got to know. I took, a, I, I, I took a bad exit, and I just wanted to come back down on this way, and uh, I, I, I just believe that if I just went after my own heart, I knew that I would get safe. I would get there safe. No one would be harmed. That's stupid. You'd be locked up in a mental institute with a straitjacket around your body because, and probably charged with, you know, attempted murder because that's, that's crazy. Nobody in their right mind would ever do that. Well, in the church, that's what some people do. Uh, just, just pray after you, just pray whatever comes out of your heart and God will honor that. Rubbish. God does not, the Bible says, he that honors me, I will honor. When you honor God's way of doing things, God will honor your prayers. The Bible says the young lions suffer lack and hunger. Why do young lions suffer lack and hunger? Because they, haven't, they don't have a skillful ability to hunt yet. So unless their mom brings them food, because the, the lioness is the hunter in the family, and unless that happens, they, they, they suffer lack and they hunger. But then it goes on to say, they that seek the Lord, meaning they seek the Lord's counsel on how to do things, they won't lack any good thing. When you have lack in your life, it's because you haven't followed God's counsel. When you're lacking answered prayer, it's because you haven't followed God's way of, 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 of receiving answered prayers. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 23. When the Lord is my shepherd, I will not lack anything. So as long as you're committed to having God lead you, God will be committed in leading you in a place of no lack. As long as you're committed, dedicated to God's guidance and leading, God will be committed in leading you and guiding you to a place of no lack. Look at Abraham's life. Abraham, the very next day God said, depart from your country and go into the land which I've shown you to go. The very next day Abraham departed and he went. And he went. He obeyed God's leading. And find me a scripture where you see Abraham was, you know, was a, a, a homeless man on the side of the streets now, begged and uh, clothed with beggar's clothing, panhandling, waiting for some Philistines to come and, and drop some chickens in his cup so he can, he can eat and his family can eat the next week. That never happened. Actually, if you read Genesis 12, God tells him leave. Then Genesis 13, the Bible says, and Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. You'll be impoverished. If you don't follow God's leading, I'm not just talking about impoverished in physical, tangible, you know, uh, material blessing. I'm talking about answered prayer. You won't have any answered prayer if you're committed to praying your way. But if you'll be committed to praying God's way, you know, there, there was a book called The Five Love, La Five Love Languages. I don't know if you ever read it. We had to read it in Bible college where it tells you that not everybody can be approached the same way. I mean, that's essentially if anyone's ever read the book. Uh, how to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. One, uh, you know, one of the things that is very prevalent in that book is that you're not, you're, not, you're not to approach people the same way that you would like others to approach you. you know, there are certain ways to approach certain people. My wife, for example, she's words of affirmation. She likes to be told, you know, whatever. So I, I can't approach her with acts of service because that won't do anything for her. She needs to be told. She needs to be affirmed. She needs, and that's just, and, and, and a physical touch. She likes to be, her hand held. That means the world, the world to her. So if I came and tried to 
approach her with the way I like to be approached, it would never work. It's the same way God has a love language. God has a language which he understands. So that leads me to my first point. How do you pray prayers that guarantee they're always answered? Number one, and I'll get into the, we're going to be on a broadcast tomorrow at about the same time, 1130. So I'll, I'll finish the rest tomorrow. But number one is you have to pray according to God's word. God's love language is his word. God understands the language of his word. And that's the only language he understands. Turn to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. God understands the language of his word. And that's the only language he understands. I, I remember growing up there was a, a youth pastor that said, not in my church, but there was a youth pastor that said, you know, just pour out your heart to God. Just let him know what you're feeling. If you have to complain, complain. If you have to, you get mad at God, just get mad at God. God understands. I, I remember at like 14 or 13 years old hearing that and not even saved and thinking, that is no, if I, if I used that against my father, I'd be slapped to a wall if I just went and got mad at my, how much more the God of all the earth? If I used that way of thinking, if I had gone home and said, well, if God deals with me that way, well, I guess, and I started using that with my earthly father, he would have pinned me to a wall, would have thrown me to, a, to the fridge like I was a magnet. Because that, there's no, you don't approach even an earthly father complaining, angry, you don't understand. That's, that's what a delinquent child does. And I, people, were, people were being taught that by this youth pastor. I think it was a, probably a youth conference, a youth convention. Imagine approaching God. I mean, the Bible says God can't stand complaints. God, com prayer is not a complaining session. Prayer is not a session where you go in and vent towards God. The Bible actually says a fool vents all his feelings. A fool gets into prayer and vents how he feels to God. God actually, and take this, take what, I, what I'm saying with a great amount of understanding. God does not care too much about how you're feeling. God is more interested in changing your situation so that your feelings will change. God doesn't really care about how you're feeling right now. God wants to change what's going, by, by the efficacy of your prayer, change your situation. So that you don't have to feel that way anymore. So to, to go in and start venting to God. You know the Bible says a fool twists his way and his heart gets angry against God. Meaning to, to approach God with your fist, shaking your fist. I can't believe you let this happen. First of all, understand God didn't let it happen in the first, in the first place. God said I'll allow what you allow and I'll disallow what you disallow. I'll allow what you allow. And I'll, I'll, I'll ban things from happening in your life, which you have. It's in our court. The, Jesus told Peter, and in so doing, he told his church, that I will give you the keys of the kingdom of God. What you bind will be bound. What you lose will be loosed. I, it's never God's fault. Whatever goes on in life, it's never God's. There's always something on my end that I need to tweak and change. If things are to be tweaked and changed in my life. There's always something on my end. Change begins with me. God said, I'm the Lord God. And I change not. So the change isn't with him. Nothing's going to change on his end. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If anything's going to change, it's on my end. I have to tweak it. I have to modify it. 
He's not, the Bible says he's immutable. He can't be modified. God does not, God is the only constant one in all of life. We are the variable. That means if things are going upwards, it's because I've tagged the line along on God's program. But if things are going down, if I'm stagnated, if there's no progress, if there's no answered prayer, it's because I've detached. What did Jesus say in John 15? If you have these words in you, and if, I, if you abide in me, if you abide in me, Jesus said, and you have my words, which I've spoken, in you, abiding in your heart, you will ask anything, John 15, 7, and it will be granted to you by my Father. Unhindered prayers. Unanswered prayer is the order of the day where you no longer are a victim of unanswered prayer. You're no longer a victim of stagnation. No longer a victim of frustration in prayer. But it takes doing it God's way. So number one, you have to pray according to God's word. Verse 14, 1 John 5, 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to God's will, which God's word is God's will in print. If we ask anything, anything, that means if it's found in this book, it's acquirable by us. If it's found in this book, I can get it. There's nothing in this book that God wrote down to tease us with. He didn't put health in the, in, in the Bible. Exodus 15, 25. If you'll serve me, I'll bless your bread and your water. I'll take sickness out of the midst of you. And then he put it there just to tease us. I'll tease them with health. You know, maybe get their hopes up so that they can get through their sickness. And if they die, whatever, you know, at least they had a good heart. No, he he didn't put anything in this book to tease us with. Everything he put and wrote in this book is acquirable. It's receivable. It's retrievable. But the Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I know it's in there, you know. Hopefully I'll be the lucky number seven that God chooses in the jackpot role today. As if we're some lottery case. Uh, Now serving number 365. Congratulations, you get healed today. 366, sorry, you will die. No, that's not how God does things. The Bible says God doesn't show any partiality. That the Numbers 23, you should memorize this scripture. Numbers 23, 19, I believe it is. The Lord your God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he should change his mind. But when he speaks a thing, he makes good on it. When he declares a thing, he also brings it to pass. When he speaks a thing, he makes good on it. Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 34, 17. The Bible says, search ye out in this book of the law and read it. For none of these promises shall fail. For my mouth has spoken it and my spirit will gather it. None of them will fail. This book is is the the law book of heaven. Just like when you go, uh, and let me finish this. Now this is the confidence we have in him, that if if we ask anything according to his word, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition or we have the answer to our prayer that we have asked of him. Turn to Luke 18. That means our only concern in approaching God is we have to pray in a way that he'll hear us. And number one, he hears us if we pray according to his word. And then if he hears us, the Bible says that we have the thing that we've prayed for. All we have to do is get him to hear us. Once he hears us, what does Mark eleven twenty four 24 say? 
Therefore, whatsoever things you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. Meaning, believe that God heard you and ye shall have it. Believe that you've received it. Meaning, don't believe that you will receive it. Believe that you have received it. I have it now. Not, it's not a future tense thing. That's where a lot of people get it wrong. Well, I've prayed about it and I'm just believing God that he'll do it. He, he will not do it. If you're always relegating it to some future thing, you're always, you know, it, it's always a future tense thing that God will do it. Or God, the Bible says faith is, the, now faith is. Faith is a present thing. Faith deals with the now. Faith is empowered to deal with the now. Now faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Not now faith will be. Not tomorrow faith will be. Now faith is the evidence of things hoped for. The, the evidence of things expected. What's the evidence? It's the Word of God. This is the evidence that we can place our faith in and guarantee the things that we're hoping for. Can you say amen? Faith. Now faith is. Not tomorrow faith is. Luke 18. Then he spoke a parable to them. That men ought always to pray. How, when are we to pray? Always to pray. Not when you feel like it. You don't pray when you're cornered. In a, I mean, you can't pray. But I'm saying don't leave it. You know, if you'll pray on a daily basis and make a di daily discipline schedule of prayer, you'll actually never be cornered. <laughs> you'll never be in a place where you're cornered and have to pray out of, uh, out of desperation. <laughs> you'll always be in a place. Where, where you're following the leading of the Spirit, where you don't allow yourself to get cornered. People that don't pray are always the one that pray desperate prayers one day. They'll always be, you know, the Bible says that uh, the diligent man will bear rule over life circumstances, but the lazy man in prayer will be forced to labor. Meaning, if you're diligent in keeping a scheduled prayer life, that you'll, you'll rule over life. But if you are lazy, and you neglect the prayer closet, which neglect of the prayer closet is prayerlessness is pridefulness. Prayerlessness is pridefulness because it's telling God, I can do it on my own. But when you're prayerful, you're, 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 you're doing exactly what the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that He will in due time exalt you and give you a place of authority. Humble yourself. Prayer... Prayerlessness is pridefulness. But when you pray, you're humbling yourself before God, saying, Lord, there are things in this life that I know I will never be able to tackle and take on without your, your power manifest through me. So I ask you this day, fill me with your power. Where I'm weak, make me strong and give me the, the, the supernatural ability to reign in life as a king and a priest. And what, what does the Bible say? He'll exalt you in due time. What does that mean? You'll always have an upward trajectory. You'll always be going upward. But when you neglect prayer, you, that's when you enter into stagnation. That's when you have, you know, prayer is like sowing seed. The more you sow the seed, the more in the future you guarantee a harvest of what you've sown. But any season where you've not prayed, it guarantees a future season where you don't harvest any answered prayer. It's as simple as that. Luke, Luke 18, 1. He spoke that men ought always to pray and never to lose heart, saying there was in a certain city a judge who didn't fear God nor regard men. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. If you're watching this, please share the broadcast. I encourage you. Uh, I, I, I know this will be a great benefit to others. 
Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I don't fear God nor regard man, yet because of this widow's troubling me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming to me, she wearies me out. Now the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. So that was an unjust judge. And shall not God avenge his own elect? elect who cry out to him day and night though he bears long with them i tell you the truth that he will answer them speedily nevertheless when the son of man comes will he really find faith on the earth you have to approach god in prayer as you being someone with a case this being the law book and god being the judge of all the earth that's essentially what luke 18 is telling you that God deals with prayer as a courtroom. That's what the Isaiah 43, 26 says. Bring forth your strong reasons. State your case that you may be acquitted. Put me in remembrance of my word and declare yourself that you may be justified. Put me in remembrance of my word. You approach God with the word of God, which is the, the constitution of the courtroom of heaven. God only answers answers prayers that are prayed according to the constitution of the courtroom of heaven. If I were to hire a lawyer and I got into a little bit of trouble and I don't know what it was. Let's say it was some uh, a speeding ticket or something. I don't know. And I hired a lawyer to try and like lower down the, the price of that ticket and maybe a little less points off your driving record. And he came up with no evidence, with no case all he did was approach the judge and say, Judge, you got to believe me. This was my client's first offense. I'm telling you, he's not a bad guy. He actually really didn't mean to speed that day. Actually, if you look, he, 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 he's actually a very kind man. You should see how he interacts with his children. He's so nice. He never does anything wrong. You know, I, 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 I'm telling you, this was the first time he ever really went above the speed limit. Usually he's 20 kilometers under the speed limit. The judge wouldn't wouldn't rule in my favor. God has no respect for tears. He only has respect for his testimonies. God doesn't answer tears. God answers his word. God doesn't answer tears. God answers his word. You can't approach God with tears and expect uh, tears alone. I'm not saying if you're you know, in your desperation in bringing the word of God to God that you tear. That, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having emotions in prayer. There's actually, it's actually very good. It shows desperation. Hannah, the Bible says she approached God and she prayed in such a way that no words were coming out of her mouth, but she was weeping profusely. And Eli said, man, are you a drunk woman? Put away alcohol from you. It's 9 a.m. She said, man, I, man, I'm not drunk. I'm just pouring out my soul to God. So there's nothing wrong with pouring out your heart to God. But if all you're doing is crying and shaking your fist, God, you need to pull through God you need to pull through is not a prayer that is valid for, for an answer. God you need to pull through or, or using Christian cliches or memes you saw on Instagram is not a way to get God to answer your prayer. The only way God will answer is you state your case from His Word. That means locate people that went through what you're going through. That's, what, that's essentially what it is. It's very simple. You're in need of healing. Go look at Hezekiah. The Bible says God had, God had said, get your house and family in order. You're dying today. 
And Hezekiah went before God and, and said, Lord, you said it. You said in your word. And he quoted the scripture. And then he said, I've served you from my youth and I've been faithful. Give me 15 more years. And what happened? God t- turned Isaiah back and said, go and tell him 15 years have been added to his life. Right like that. Why? Because he quoted the word and then he pleaded and told them, God, I serve you faithfully. There's no way. There's no way I'm going out before my time. That, that's how you have to deal with it. You're in need of a, a, of a breakthrough. Open doors. You look at the, at the Bible. The Bible says he holds the key of David. He opens and no man can shut. He shuts and no man. God, you said you hold the key of David. You said you're the great one who can open up doors. I ask you in Jesus' name, where every closed door in my life. Father, I pray, open up doors that only qualified people would be. Father, I pray, where, wherever only experts and professionals would gain, you know, favor. Whatever promotion that only people that are qualified would be able to access. I pray by your hand of favor and by the key of David. Open up those doors for me today. Give give me unprecedented acceleration in my career. Because you know I'll only glorify you by my my financial return. I mean, you pray that way. You hold the key of David. Quote, quote God, his scripture. Quote God, his scripture. That's what Daniel did. He was in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Then he opened up the prophet Jeremiah. And found where it was written that the captivity was only the last 70 years. And then what did he do? God, you said that 70 years after that, you'd put an end to our, our captivity and put us back into Jerusalem in our own freedom. And the Bible says he fasted and prayed 21 days after the scriptures. And what happened? The angel came to him and said, Daniel, from the very first day you lifted up your voice to pray, I heard you and I've come now in response to your prayer. Look at at, uh, Nehemiah. Nehemiah heard of the destruction of Jerusalem. And what did he do? He approached God. Let me read it. I'll finish with this. Nehemiah chapter 1. It's a great book. A lot of people skip over Nehemiah. But it's actually a a fantastic book. Here's his prayer. I pray, Lord God of heaven. So he hears that Jerusalem's up in flames. That it's been burnt down. And now he, a burden came on him to go back and restore the walls of Jerusalem, to rebuild them. This is what he says. I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your word and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, which is a direct, by the way, a direct quotation of Deuteronomy. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night. For the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which have sinned against you. Both our father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you have commanded your servant Moses. Get this, verse 8. Remember, I pray your word. Remember what? Your word that you spoke to your servant Moses. And then he quotes it. If you are faithful, I will scatter you. If you are unfaithful, sorry, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return, direct quotation uh, through Deuteronomy. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, that though some of you were cast out to the farthest parts of heaven, yet I'll gather you again and bring them to the place which I have chosen you as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you've redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. And it was, because you see the next chapter, God answers his prayer. 
Pray after God's own word. And it'll guarantee, that's point number one, of guarantees to answer prayer. I read it before, 1 John 5, 14. We have this confidence that if we pray anything, you know, that's where people are not confident when they pray their own prayers. But when you pray prayers quoted from the scriptures, when you pray prayers, for, that's why it's important to study the scripture, to show yourself approved, a workman who need not be ashamed. If you don't know the word, it's like having a gun. Prayer is like a gun. It's got all the power. A lot, let's say an, like an AR-15 gun or a bazooka. It has all the power to do great, to have great impact. I mean, you know, a bazooka can do great damage. But at the same time, if you don't have ammunition, you're, you're useless. Your gun is, it, it, it's just like a, I mean, you can use it to hit people with it, I guess. That's all it is. A bayonet. That's, it, it, it's, it doesn't have its full potential. Because if you have no ammunition, you can't actually shoot anything off. The same thing in prayer. You don't have ammunition from the Word of God. Your prayer gun, it, you can just use it to throw it at somebody. That's all it is. It'll, you'll have very small results in prayer. But if you have great insight in the Scripture, you'll have great results in prayer. Little insight, little results. Great insight, great results. Because you'll be able to pray skillfully and after the, word, the will of God. Uh, if you're here today, before, you know, you can, a lot of people that don't know God, they'll, they'll say, you know, I prayed a long time ago, but nothing ever happened. But prayer doesn't mean you have right relationship with God. You need to have right relationship with God before prayer can be of any use for you, before you have any ability to access God's ear. Because the Bible says the wicked are far from God. The Bible says if I had regarded iniquity in my heart, the Lord would never hear me. Meaning if, you're, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you haven't turned from sin, you haven't repented from sin, you haven't come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ by praying and asking Him to come and live in you, where He takes out the heart of stone and puts in you a heart of flesh, where He turns everything around, where He makes you a new creature, a new creation, where old things pass away and everything becomes new. Until you do that, God said, I'll never hear you. But once you do that, that's if you're not in Christ, he won't answer any other prayer other than Jesus Christ, come into my heart and save me. You need to make that decision today. You need to pray that prayer. I want you to pray with me right now. Say, Father, you need to get right with Jesus. You've never made a, 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 a confession of your faith. You've never, you can't recall a time in your life where you stood before a holy God and prayed, giving your life over to Him and in return asking for His life. You don't recall one moment, a, a, a pinnacle moment in your life where you experience what the Bible calls a new birth, where everything becomes new. You need to get saved today. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Say this, say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in my heart God raised Jesus from the dead, and I confess with my mouth Jesus Christ is Lord. Come live in me. Take out the heart of stone. Place in me a heart of flesh. Where I was weak, make me strong. Make me totally new. Renew in me a loyal spirit to you. Purify my heart. Clean me, and I'll be clean. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me never to turn back. In Jesus' name, amen. You've, you prayed that prayer? I want you to go to our website, salvationnow.ca. 
First link that pops up, I just got saved. Fill out the information. I want to get a CD to you. Also, if you'd like to give today, you can do so. Uh, you know, one thing that I'll, I'll make mention of today and probably every, every broadcast this week is that you actually can't pray for financial breakthrough. It's actually, you, you don't pray. There's not one story in scripture where someone prayed for financial breakthrough. You give your way out of poverty. You give your way out of financial distress. You give your way out into financial abundance. Giving is the, is like I talked, I spoke about before. There are certain laws which govern the spiritual. The, the, the law of seed time and harvest is the law that God has set in place on the earth to break free from poverty once and for all and to break in to the realm of supernatural abundance and abundant supply. That's what essentially the Bible says in Philippians 4. Bible says of uh, Phil, uh, Paul talking about talking to the Philippian church. He said, no church shared with me at the beginning of my travels. He said, when I first started out in ministry, there was nobody that shared with me in giving and receiving except you, the church of Philippi. Then he said, I've received from you abundance. He said, I'm fully supplied, having re received from Epaphroditus a sweet-smelling aroma, well-pleasing to God. And then he said this, I don't seek the gift that you're giving me, but I seek the fruit and the gift that now abounds to your account. Meaning you were the first people to partner with us in our travels. And I'm not seeking the gift that you gave, but I'm seeking now the fruit that now abounds to your account. Meaning giving didn't really benefit Paul so much, but it benefited the Philippian church. And that's where Philippians 4.19, the scripture that most people can quote, and they quote it, uh, you know, they don't even give and they quote it. But that scripture is actually only quotable to those that give. My God shall supply all your needs, Paul told the Philippian church, according to his riches and glory. Why did God, he didn't tell any other church that. Because no other church was giving to the work of the ministry in Paul's, in Paul's ministry. But then in, in the church of Philippi, he had no res reservation in his spirit. He said, I know that just as you gave above and beyond what you were able, I know my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Ask that woman, that widow of Zarephath. That widow of Zarephath was burying, she was going to kill herself after her last meal, her and her child. But Elijah said, give me first a piece of cake and then go, you and your house. The bin of flour will never run dry. The jar of oil will never be used up. Elijah wasn't looking to take from her. Elijah was testing her faith and God was testing her faith to see if she qualified for the, uh, the supernatural abundant plan that God had reserved for only those that are committed to obedience in seed time. Harvest is only reserved for those that are obedient in seed time. Harvest is only available to those that are committed to seed time. So I encourage you today, give something of, 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 of that the Lord will... Not, you know, it, it's different for every person. People are on different levels. Some people, you know... they. Some people, $100 is everything they got. Some people, $1,000 doesn't even scratch, won't even do anything for them. People are at different levels financially. But give something. That, ask the Holy Spirit today. Lord, what would you have me give? If, if Not only just, you know, for the work of your kingdom. But God, I want to increase. I want to move to the next level financially. So that I can pump more into the work of your kingdom. You should be... I'm not satisfied with the level, and, and we've increased drastically from the giving that we had, you know, what we gave last year compared to what we gave this year. We've already, in six months, 
We've passed it. We've given more this year than we, all, we did all of last year, which is excellent. And that's a testimony to God's faithfulness. And it proves the law of Sitam. Those that sow sparingly will reap sparingly. But those that sow bountifully will reap a bountiful harvest. So what, you, you, should be, you should always have that desire, that hunger in your spirit to move on to the next level financially so that you can be a greater blessing financially to people in this world. That's what my heart is. That's why I give. I give because, I, first of all, I love God and I appreciate and I'm grateful to Him. But secondly, I give because I, I want to increase on my own personal level so that I can tap in to what God said. You will lend to nations. I'm not lending to nations yet. But also my ability to lend to nations won't just fall on me. My ability to be a blessing to full nations will come when I abide by the spiritual law of seed time and harvest. So I encourage you, I, I know that you're tuning in, to, you're, you're not a regular Christian, you're not a regular Joe Schmo. You're, if you've tuned in this long, it's because you're, you're hungry to be used by God. You're hungry to access the next level. Not only spiritually, but financially and in every other realm. God wants to increase you in every level. But like I just preached on prayer for a whole, a whole hour or whatever it was. Financial increase doesn't come by praying. I can't, I, and a lot of people teach that. I do not teach that. There's not one place in the scripture that teaches that. Paul said, he that gives seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and increase the seed you have sown. So it takes seed time. So if you, I, I encourage you, give today. And I want to thank you in advance for giving. Uh, we love you. And uh, tune in tomorrow, 11.30 a.m. We're going to do part two of this of uh, keys to answered prayer or how to get your prayers answered every time. Thank you. Share this broadcast if you haven't already. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. God bless you. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you. And until next time.